make in us new and humble hearts that we may receive from you the God of all mercy, perfect forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever, now and forever. All this pain, I wonder if I'll ever find my way. I wonder if my life could really change at all. All this earth, could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden come up from this ground at all? Let's sing together. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. And all around, hope is springing up from this old ground. Out of chaos, life is being found in that we have been doing this together, uh, actually I think this is our maybe our 11th time uh, to have an Ash Wednesday service, I am often asked the question, why Lent? Why do we have it? Why do we participate in it? What is the purpose of this? 
And so as we enter into this series, uh, we'll be exploring a lot of the themes of Lent. And tonight in particular is Ash Wednesday. But we're going to jump into this ancient thing because this practice really began a couple of hundred years after the apostles had died out. And we have to remember we're entering back into a time where there weren't Bibles on every bookshelf or coffee table in every home. This was the time when uh, most people were still unable to read. And so the ancient church of its day decided it wasn't just good for people to hear one little sermon on Sunday morning, but that there were things and seasons where we could enter back into the story. And so we've had a couple of those. We began with Advent, that season of longing for a Savior that was then celebrated at Christmas and through the season of Christmas. And then we talked about the light of the world coming. That season is Epiphany. And we move through that. And today we begin the season of Lent. And Lent really represents that journey toward the cross. We re-enter the story. We look at our own humanity, our own mortality, and its limitations. We begin to see a few things that we focus on. And so I want us to look at that. So Lent is a season of facing our sin. You can jot these down. I decided, let's try something to keep people engaged, and we'll, uh, you can write all these down. There's no test at the end, I promise. But it it is a season of facing our sin, to recognize that we are broken and in need of a Savior, to recognize that we have our limitations and we often choose the wrong things. We do the wrong things and that those have consequences. And the ancient church said we should have a season where we just face this. We don't beat around the bush. We don't uh, look the other way. We just move into the light to say yes. We are broken. We are facing our sin or facing the systems of sin that are still in the world that we still participate in. But Lent is also a season of emptying ourselves of unnecessary comforts. Comforts that are often distracting from what God is calling us to be and do in the world. And so during this season, we will enter into practices. If you come Sunday, we'll talk a little bit more about those those practices. But emptying ourselves of unnecessary and often distracting comforts is a part of this season. And then Lent is a season of directing our desires toward our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, during this season, it is both looking at our, our brokenness, our mortality, our limitations. It is about being intentional of emptying ourselves in order to be filled through Christ our Lord. And that is the beauty of the Lent season. So tonight, though, we focus a lot on facing our sin. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Genesis chapter 3, and we'll begin at verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. However you get your Bible, you may do that. But let's read this together. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to them and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing and pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you In pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and clothed them. Let us pray. Father, Come and help as I teach. Help us in this season to enter in, to face and see our sin and our limitations. Help us to turn to You, the One who forgives, is merciful, and fills us with what we need. We pray this in Your name. Amen. In facing our sin, the first thing in this crazy story of talking snakes and and all of these kinds of things, we must realize, and I, I can't emphasize this enough, we must start in the right place or we will end with the wrong emphasis. What do I mean by that? Well, the truth of the matter is, is we jumped into the middle of a story. This is chapter 3 of Genesis, which just by the nature of the numbering lets you know that there are two chapters before we get to chapter 3. 
3, the passage we have just read. And, uh, and so if we don't realize that we are jumping in in the middle, we can end up in some pretty silly places. In fact, Scott Daniels, who's the pastor of College Church out in Nampa, Idaho, says, if you take out the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible, you start with the fall or sin, which we just read, and you end with the lake of fire. But, if you put them back in, you start with a creation that God declares is very good. And you end with that creation fully restored by God. So we have to start in the right place. Now, what this means is that we start with creation that is very good. And these human beings that God creates in God's image are meant to be God's partners in bringing forth more life from the earth that God has created. That's why he puts them in a garden, tells them to till the garden and and bring more life, more life. God just wants to see in this partnership how much life could be on this place that he has created. And so that is the truth. But humanity chose to determine right and wrong for themselves. That's the story that we're in now. Instead of partnering with God, they decided we will determine what is right and wrong for ourselves. And therefore, this led to some universal consequences. Now, we had those read for us, those consequences, and we're going to hear more about that in just a second. But I want us to know a few things about this. First of all, these consequences are descriptive, not prescriptive. This is descriptive. God is describing because of what you have chosen to do, this will be the result. Now, first of all, I want us to, to realize, because we often think human beings were cursed. And the truth is, if you read the scriptures, it says that the, only the serpent and the ground are cursed. Says to the serpent, cursed are you. But, uh, and to the, to the man, he says, the ground is cursed because of your choice. Human beings are not cursed by God. When we enter into a season of Lent and in Ash Wednesday, when we talk about our limitations as human beings, we are not cursed. We are created in God's image and loved by God. And God longs for us to return to the partnership that He has created a way for us to do through Jesus Christ. So I want us to hear that tonight as we enter into Ash Wednesday. Now, when it comes to those consequences, don't compare the consequences. It's easy for us to do in our modern day world. It's like women can say, all the pain of childbearing and he just has to go to the office and work. Remember, this was written into an agricultural society before tools, before all of those things. And so, yes, what we are coming to is that life will continue. That should be hope, right? Nestled in the midst of these consequences is hope. Life will continue to come forth from what God has created. But now it will come with great pain and hardship, whether that is in the life of new children or the life that helps us sustain that life through the breaking of the ground and by tilling the soil. And now there are weeds and thorns and thistles and all of those things that will come up with it, that there will be great hardship and life, but life will continue. 
This leads us to then uh, realize that we are directing our desire toward a Savior. Don't miss God's invitation in the midst of all of this. When God comes and, and God knows what's taken place, God begins by calling to the humans, where are you? The invitation is already there. God is saying to the human beings, in essence, how are you going to handle the reality that you have now chosen? What is this going to look like? Man was hiding, but God is seeking. Because God does not begin the relationship with the now fallen human beings with rules or condemnation, but with a question. Where are you? Will you remain hidden in shame or will you step out into the open and face the truth? Do you see why the ancient church said we might want to create a season where we come back and revisit this? Are we going to remain hidden or are we going to step into the open and face the truth? God is not finished though. He's not finished with this partnership with human beings, even though they've rejected him, even though they've chosen to do their own thing, even though all of these things will now come into this creation that he has beautifully made. God is not finished with the partnership. God, God provides them clothes. He doesn't just well go fend for yourself completely. God is going to be there alongside. He provides them with clothes and God provides them with hope. It's kind of hidden in there. You may have missed it because it's a part of his talking with the snake. But he says, I will put enmity between you, the snake, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And he will, Hebrew word, crush your head and you will strike his heel. That there will be someone in the long line of Adam and Eve that will come forth and one day crush the head of sin. And he will receive a wound himself. And you can see how the New Testament writers would one day say it was this Jesus who on a cross took the full bite from the snake of sin and yet crushed its head all in the same moment. There is still hope in the midst of our humanity and in the midst of facing our sin. God will provide a Savior And He will come through the hardship of birth. Jesus was born. He will come into the pain and hardship of life. He lived as a human being in order to redeem human beings. That brings us to Ash Wednesday. Why the ashes? I was just uh, doing a Sunday school class for a friend of mine uh, at another church via Skype. And his class was asking all about this. Why the ashes? Few things. One is the ashes remind us of our mortality. You saw it in the story. God says, from dust you came, to dust you shall return. To realize that we have limitations. Ashes are also a symbol of grief and repentance. If you look in the book of Job, when when his he comes into this great calamity, he goes and he is with ashes and sackcloth. 
It is also a symbol of repentance. If you look in the book of Jonah, when Jonah finally reaches that great city of Nineveh and tells them God's message, they repent from the king on down to the cows. They put sackcloth on them and they sprinkle ashes. It is a symbol of repentance. So looking at our mortality, looking at our sin, repenting. And yet we place this as a symbol of hope in the form of a cross. To remind us that Jesus came in to our place. Jesus came in to the world through its hardships and pain to redeem us. The cross of Jesus redeems our selfish striving, our ashes, and restores our partnership with God to share the life-giving good news. This is why Lent. This is why Ash Wednesday. And so my hope is that through the rest of this service, you will hear the voice of God ringing in your ears and in your head, asking you the question this time of year, where are you? Where are you? What is your reality? What are the choices you have made? Are you going to keep hiding? Or will you come out and face the truth? The truth of your humanity and the truth of the merciful God who still longs to partner with you to bring life to this earth. We have only to come forward to repent, to receive, and to then allow Him to empty us and fill us with His Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this series and this service. We pray that You would help us throughout the rest of this short, brief service to do some of these ancient symbols and practices, to hear songs, to hear the Scriptures read to us, and that we would enter into a time of stepping out to face the truth. To not beat ourselves up for being human. But to come humbly into Your light to receive from You, Lord Jesus, our Savior. And it's in Your name we ask all these things. And everyone said, Amen. Take a moment of silence and then we'll begin the rest of our service. Psalm 51, 1-17 Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion 
and it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. I'll give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit with me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Yahweh that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a repenting spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. human of the followers of Christ, uh, Patrick, wrote this song. As he looked at his own humanity, he knew that he needed this. I'll sing this for us. Christ be with me. Christ be for me. Christ behind me. Christ within me, Christ below me, Christ above me, Christ be with me. At my right hand, at my left hand, as I lie down, As I rise up, as I stumble, as I fall down, Christ, as I stand, Christ in the heart of every one who thinks of me. Christ 
in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen. Corinthians 5, 20b through 610. We entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we, were, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, At an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors, and yet are true, as unknown, and yet are well-known, as dying, and see, we are alive, as punished, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me.
Here we come to a, a prayer, a responsive reading between pastor and congregation. So I invite you to read your part, and Lori will lead you, and I will read uh, the part of the pastor. Most holy and merciful Father, we confess to you and to one another and to the whole communion of saints in heaven on earth that we have sinned by thought, by word, by deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not forgiven others and we, as we have been forgiven. Have mercy on us, Lord. We confess to you, Lord, all our past unfaithfulness, the pride, hypocrisy, and the impatience of our lives. We confess to you, Lord, our consuming love of worldly goods and comforts and our dishonesty in daily life and work. We confess to you, Lord, our negligence in prayer and worship, and our failure to share the faith that is in us. We confess to you, Lord. Accept our repentance, Lord, for the wrongs we have done, for our blindness to human need and suffering, and our indifference to the injustice and cruelty done to the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the refugee. Accept our repentance, Lord for all false judgments, for uncharitable thoughts towards our neighbor, and for our prejudice and contempt towards those who differ from us in faith, in politics, in culture, and country. Accept our repentance, Lord. Restore us, good Lord, and let your sorrow depart from us. Favorably hear us, for your mercy is great. Accomplish in us the work of your salvation that we may show forth your glory in the world. By the cross and passion of your Son, our Lord, bring bring us with with all all your saints to to the the joy joy of of his his resurrection. resurrection. Let's sing this song. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Sing that again. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Hear his response. Come home. Come home. Come home, home, oh sinner. sing this again. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. 
Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. His response. Come home. Come home. Come home, O sinner. Come home. Come home. Come home. Isaiah 58, 1 through 12. Shout out. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me, righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fastings as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast day, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Come home. Come. 
your voices. Come home. Come home. Come home. Oh, sinner. Come home. We declare this together. Lord Jesus Christ does have mercy for you. So we sing these words and we are singing them to each other. And we'll finish by singing them to remind ourselves as well. So sing. Here we go. Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God has mercy on Know that tonight. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has mercy on you, O sinner. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has mercy on me. The Lord Jesus Christ. Son of God has mercy on me. Can we stand in honor of the reading of the gospel? Matthew 6, 1 through 6, and 16 through 21. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give gifts in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. And when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father, who knows what you do in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, 
We are frail children of dust and feeble as frail. But in you do we trust, nor do we find you to fail. You know our limitations, our mortality, our weaknesses, our sin. The one that your gospel has declared has shown us that we can even take those religious things that are meant to draw us closer to you and use them to gain glory for ourselves. So God, forgive us and help us. Help us during this season of Lent as a people to allow you to show us the way of emptiness in order to be filled with more and more of your Holy Spirit that empowers us to live as you lived, to love as you love, to be merciful even to our enemies, to show compassion and kindness in our world out of sheer love and joy for you. As we enter now into this time of this ritual of prayer, of ashes, may it symbolize for us our dependence upon you. Help us to recognize that from dust we came and to dust we shall return. But the good news to repent and trust the gospel that you take broken things and you make beautiful things out of them. For we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen and amen. We now enter into the time where we um, come forward for the implementation of ashes or to be anointed or both. Uh, however you would like, in just a moment, Julie and Joyce will be standing over here with oil for anointing for healing. If you feel like during this season of Lent, you need healing in your body, you need healing in your emotions, you need healing in your spirit, um, God says, bring all of that to me. Where are you? Come. Come out of hiding and let's face the truth together. So if you are interested in that, when the music starts playing, you may make your way over to this side and come to either Julie or Joyce, and they will put just a drop of oil with their finger on the top of your head. Uh, is a ancient symbol of God's presence for healing, and, uh, and they will say a short prayer for you. Uh, and then on this side, I will have the ashes, and if you would like to have that happen, you come forward. I will simply say, from dust you came to dust you shall return. Repent and trust the gospel. And you make, uh, you say, thanks be to God, however you want to, to answer that. And then you may go and be seated for a time of uh, quiet prayer before we are dismissed. Well, would you stand and receive the benediction? I think a great benediction from Paul's letter to Thessalonians is a good summary of what the season is moving us towards. And so I want you to hear it tonight as, as I read it. It's going to be on the screen behind me. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. As you are empty, you will be filled. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear this tonight. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. I pray this blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
one God forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.